Thank you, Doug and Janet. Our sermon today is taken from Luke 6, verses 29 through 31. If you'd please rise out of honor of God's word. Luke 6, verses 29 through 31. If you'd like to follow along in your Black Pew Bible, that's found on page 1097. Luke 6, verses 29 through 31. That read in Jesus' name. To one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from the one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs from you. And from one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. And as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. Let us pray. Father, as we come now to study your word, to apply these truths to our lives, Lord, we thank you for this guidance, for this wisdom that you have for us. Lord, that we might live in this world as representatives of you. Father, I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. And so as we, as we get into this, I see these as being the defaults, the way that we just naturally react to circumstances. And what Jesus is teaching us is that we're supposed to take those defaults and we're supposed to flip them on their heads. But, you know, how do you do that? Because you can't just change yourself. And that's one of the reasons why, you know, I talked about confession a little bit earlier, that we bring these things to God in confession. Because First uh, John 1, 9, I, I'm not going to say it's my favorite verse, but it's one I use fairly often, that if we confess our sins, and to confess then means to take these sins and to agree with God that they are sins. The Greek word is homo legomenon. Homo means same. Legomenon means to speak. And so it means to speak the same thing or to agree. So when we're confessing with God, we're agreeing with God. You know what, God, you're right. These things are sinful and they're in my life. And God says, then he'll forgive us and he'll cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So how do we change these sins? It's not just by buckling down and working harder. It's by bringing them to God Coming to God with them, maybe, would be a better illustration or a better visual. Coming to God with them saying, Lord, I need you to help me. I need you to change me. This isn't righteous. This is sinful. You know, we have been given not a spirit of fear. And so as I'm terrified, I'm afraid of the things of this world. You know, we're told in the book of Isaiah, do not fear what they fear. Do not be in dread. And so as I'm afraid, like the world is afraid, because right now we live in a world that is terrified of almost everything. You know, even the unseen, such as viruses. <laughs> um, we bring those fears to God and say, Lord, I'm afraid. And you tell me not to be. I'm living in sin. Forgive me. Change me. And he says, I will forgive you and I will cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And so as, we're, as we study these defaults here, we study them in light of that. In light of the promise of confession. Not so that I can stand here and just weigh extra burdens on your shoulders. Because if these sins are in you, they're on your shoulders. We want you to be free. And so we reveal what is sinful so that we might be able to bring it to God and then experience freedom from those sins because sin always binds us. It always burdens us. So first, vengeance. Jesus says, <laughs> I'm in the wrong page. Uh, page to one who strikes you on the cheek offer the other 
also. I don't know about you all. I know about me, and I know my heart. And when someone does something to me, what's my initial reaction? Strike back. Get them back. Get vengeance somehow. Now, as the second born, I was smart enough to realize that if I retaliate against my brother directly, I get in trouble, not him. So I would get him back later. <laughs> would save up that vengeance for an opportune time. You know, and that's the deviousness of the second born oftentimes. Well, sometimes. <laughs> some just want to, just, yeah, some are more willing to get in trouble than I was. So my initial reaction is to get vengeance. But what does God say? Does God say, you know what, the person that strikes you, strike them back. Does God say, you know what, if you don't get them back, I'm not going to. No, God says, vengeance is mine, declares the Lord. I will repay. And so if I am seeking vengeance, then I am telling God, God, I don't think you're actually going to pay this person back. It's my job. I don't think you're going to do your job, so I'm going to take your job upon myself. I'm going to get them back. I'm going to get them back through holding a grudge so that they don't have my favor. That doesn't really hurt them, but, you know, we try that. I'm going to get them back through snarky comments or through hardening my heart towards them. I'm going to get them back by not loving them, by not caring about them, by not seeking their benefit, by not blessing them. I'm going to get them back by excluding them or hurting them or whatever, or slapping them or cutting them off or you name it. We try to hurt them back. Why? Because they hurt us. And so I try to hurt them back in some way. I try to hurt them back by keeping them, keeping my love from them. Whereas Solomon says that open rebuke is better than love carefully concealed. And so what are we doing then? We're trying to take vengeance by ourselves. We're trying to take the place of God. And again, what's the difference between God and Joe Faldet? God has never thought he was Joe Faldet. And so what am I doing taking God's place? This is God's place. This isn't the place of the creature. It's just like all of you parents with your children. If your kids are fighting, if one child does something mean to the other child, do you say, you know what? The best thing to do right now is to get them back. He hit you? Hit him harder. Do we say that? No, we know that that's not how we raise children. Why do we think that's how God would raise us? So what does God say? Turn to him the other cheek also. So if you get slapped, you get hurt, whether that's physically, emotionally, I'm not getting into like, this was actually a, a place of a curse or, you know, an insult. Well, it would have been. So at whatever level, this is physical, financial, if this is emotional hurt that are brought to you, what do you do? Turn to him the other also. Give them the opportunity to do it again. Why? Because of their relationship with Jesus. Because they need to come to Jesus. They need to see that this is their fault. This is their sin. It's not me. I'm not causing this. It's them. It's not the situation that's causing this. It's their reaction to it. Because that gives me the opportunity then to speak into their lives. If I allow someone to hurt me twice, now I have the opportunity to speak into their lives. Because my default is to get vengeance. But if I give them the opportunity to hurt, now does that mean that we don't tell them they hurt us? No. Because what does Matthew, what does Jesus tell, you, tell us in Matthew 18? That if someone sins against you, go to them in private. So this isn't just me 
allowing, hitting, allowing someone to hit me, like, all right, I want to be hit again. No. You sinned against me. But out of love for you, I'm going to give you the opportunity to not do it a second time. You sinned against me and you need to repent towards God. But out of love for you, I'm going to give you more opportunity. I'm not going to take that vengeance. I'm not going to harden myself towards you and I'm not going to go away from you right now. Now, if we keep going through this, what does Jesus tell us to do in Matthew 18? Well, you know, then we bring another and then, you know, we bring the community, the congregation, and then we treat them as tax collectors and sinners. We exclude them from our lives. But what is that? That's out of love for them. So that they might see the seriousness of their sin. And so if I just take vengeance, someone slaps me and I slap them back, you know, because I'll be honest, that is my natural reaction. <laughs> I'm, not giving, I'm not giving an opportunity for reconciliation. I'm not giving an opportunity for repentance. I'm not giving an opportunity for change. I'm not giving that opportunity. I'm not actually seeking what's best for them. I'm just seeking what satisfies me. And that's sinful because that's taking God's job upon myself instead of taking responsibility, instead of taking my job. Because it's easier to do God's job sometimes, right? At least we think it is. At least I think it is. You guys are probably way wiser than that. But that's, that's what I want to do. I want to do God's job and let him do my job of, you know, convincing them that what they did was wrong. No, that's my responsibility, to show them what they did was wrong, not convincing them. Any questions? Now, these things aren't easy. But we're not alone. Jesus says, and lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the age. So he'll walk with us through these things, teaching us, training us. And you know what? I promise you, he will give you opportunities to do this. In your life, there's going to be people who insult you. There's going to be people who hurt you. There's going to be people who try to take advantage of you. They're going to happen. And you're going to have an opportunity then to practice aggressive confrontation, speaking the truth, loving the unlovable. You're going to have those opportunities. Hopefully it's not your husband or your wife. But nevertheless, you're going to have those opportunities. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes. But it's not, that's not the Minnesota nice passive-aggressive. That's not biblical either. That's sinful also because that's not speaking the truth. So, protection. What's going on this next time? And from the one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. So what is this? Someone's, how many of you have ever had someone steal something from you? Now, I'm, and I'm not talking about taxes because we give pay taxes to whom taxes are due. Um, but otherwise, I, I've had some people steal stuff. How does that make you feel? It, to some de- so personally, this is how it makes me feel. It makes me feel unsafe. Now I, I can't trust my neighbors. I can't trust the people around me. I can't trust. I'm not in a safe environment. I am now in a dangerous environment because there are people around me that are willing to come and take my stuff. They're willing to come and take stuff that's not theirs. And so I feel unsafe. That's my natural reaction. Anger is there also and the desire for retribution. I had someone back when I was living in the cities, I had someone pop the locks on my pickup trying to get in, uh, not knowing that the back window was actually open on my pickup. (laughs) And each of those doors was $500 to fix. So I only fixed one of them because um, <laughs> I'm ghetto like that. And <laughs> but nevertheless, they went in, they stole my 
radio, which was worth about 50 bucks. So they, they caused $1,000 of damage onto my, on my pickup to steal a $50 radio. That They didn't even take all of it, so it wasn't even sellable. <sighs> Ridiculous. I wanted to protect myself. I wanted to, you know, get this person back. And so I, I started putting thought in, like, how do I protect my radio? How do I need to put an alarm system on my pickup? You know, I want to protect myself now. I want to hide myself behind these barriers and behind these walls. I don't want anyone to have this opportunity to take from me again. Now, that's someone that I never knew. I never interacted with this person. I had no idea who this was. This is something different here that, Paul, or that Jesus is talking about, not Paul. If someone takes your tunic, so if you're wearing a coat and this person says, that's mine, I'm taking that from you. They're taking it by force. They're taking it by violence. How much more then will we feel unsafe, unprotected, in danger? You know, we don't have that really here in America because we have laws and we have police and we have, that's not allowed. But back in this day and age, if you were a soldier, you could do that. If you were someone in authority, you could do that. If you're in a socialist country, you can do that. You can just take things. You know, that's what happened in communism. That's what they did to the kulaks. That's what they did in the, fa- in the fascist states in Italy. They were doing that. There was, there was thievery going on. Just blatant, out and out, because they had more power. When you have a strong government, government can do those things. You don't have a constitution. So then we try to preserve ourselves. How then do we receive this? Give them your tunic. Well, no. If they take your cloak, give them your tunic also. Do not withhold your tunic either. Don't seek to protect yourself. Because ultimately, who owns your stuff? God. Now that's important. Because if they're stealing from you, what are they really doing? They are taking what God has given you and reallocating it to themselves. So if we give, so I I use my children because children are a great example because we are God's children. So if I give one of my children a toy and then the other one comes and takes it, who are they sinning against? They're sinning against my child, but then they're also sinning against me. Are they sinning against Rachel? They're sinning against God. Yeah. Because God's the one that's given us these things. And so a thief actually gives us an opportunity to receive from God. And so why do we give them the opportunity to take from do not withhold. It doesn't say give them your tunic too. It says do not withhold. Why? Because it's God who provides. It's God who gives. Now I have an opportunity to receive more from God, to receive again from God. And so then I have to check my spirit and I have to say, God, is it my responsibility to protect myself at all measures? That doesn't mean that we should be foolish. It doesn't mean I should just leave stuff out on the street expecting nobody to take it. This doesn't mean that I just leave things out in the open. I protect the things that God has given me out of responsibility for them. But at the same time, if someone comes and steals them, does that mean that I should feel unsafe? No, it's God who protects me. Psalm 127 talks about that. It says, The watchman stays awake in vain if the Lord is not there, if the Lord is not keeping watch. And so then I have to trust God to protect, trust God to provide. I have to receive from God because all we have Whose is it? It's not mine. If I can't take it with me past the grave, it's not mine because then death can take it away from me. These things aren't mine. 
I'm steward over them, so I protect them. But if someone steals them, then I go to God and say, God, I need more. I say, God, you have to bring this back. God, you have to provide again. You know, tell a quick story. Um, We had a green push car that Anton just loved. It got left out one night, and it wasn't there the next morning. And so we started praying. God, reveal it. Where is it? Bring it back. Bring it back. Bring it back. You know, God didn't bring it back. But Kirsten found another one for, what was it, five bucks? At a garage sale? It was pink, and Rachel was excited about that. <laughs> but God provided. You know, those things are expensive. We were pretty torqued. But God provided. Whose things are these things? Who is the one able to provide? Who is the one who actually answers prayer? Generosity. When someone comes up to you that you don't know asking for something, what's your first response? Here's $100. <laughs> Probably not. Who are you and why do you want my money? That's my first response. Even people I know. People I know, they ask me to borrow something. My first response is skepticism. Why do you need that? You know, how many times have we been swindled? I've been swindled. You know, I've given people money here in St. James, someone asking for money for food. And so I was, I was, he, he came and just quit his job, was going home, but he needed to stay over for the night. And so he wanted money for food. I was like, okay, I'll give you 20 bucks. So I gave him 20 bucks and I was driving home and I saw him pulling out a pack of Camel cigarettes. Now I don't know exactly how much a pack of Camel cigarettes is worth, but if he wanted food for the day, I suppose you could probably eat for, was it $5? I don't know, are cigarettes about 15 bucks nowadays? I know it just keeps going up. I have a hard time keeping track of that. And I don't smoke, so I don't have to keep track of it. But I was kind of torqued. He's like, I, he took my money and bought cigarettes? Well, I, I had actually given it to him. And now he's responsible to God for it, not to Joe. And so my initial response is skepticism. But you know, it taught me something. So give to the one who begs. What's my default supposed to be? To give, to be generous. Is that ever bad? Sometimes. And so what's the heart behind that generosity? It's love. So sometimes when people ask me, I need to give them something else. This is why I don't give money anymore, but I'll give a place to stay. I'll give food. We'll provide those things. I'll give gas. I don't give money. Why? Because oftentimes that's bad for people. They ask for, they ask for money, give them food. Rather than saying, why don't you get a job, you bum? <laughs> I would like to. There are some people I have said that to. Why? Because that's actually what they need. You know, if they're in a place of transition, that's one thing. But if they're serially hurting themselves by not working, that's another matter. Because that's damaging to them. So they beg of me, we give to them that which is best. But you know what that takes? It takes trust in God. That I actually have a place to give here. I don't usually call him a bum. <laughs> usually. Usually. You know, what do we give? What do we give generously? We seek to get to know them that we might give them what they need. And as we give when they ask, that builds a level of trust towards us so that then we can give them what they need. 
Because remember the parable of the, the manager who is accused of poor management? You know, I'm not going into all the story, but Jesus says the sons of this kingdom, the sons of the world, are more shrewd with their money than the sons of righteousness. And so what should I be doing with my money? I should be giving it away so that I can then earn eternal dwellings, so that I can get into their hearts, that they might come with me to glory. So what's the purpose of my money? What's the purpose of people asking me? That I might be generous so that they might trust me, so that I might have opportunity in their lives, opportunity to bring the gospel to them because that's what they need. That's what they need. So I can give them something temporary so that I can have opportunity to give them something eternal. So we give. Give generously. And as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. Now this is important. Why is this the golden rule? Some people say that the silver rule is actually better. The silver rule is don't do unto others as you would not have them do to you. That's a little bit easier, isn't it? Like, okay, I don't want anyone to steal from me, so I'm not going to steal from you. I don't want anyone to punch me, so I'm not going to punch you. I don't like it when people punch me, so I don't punch other people. You know, that's kind of silly, but that's the silver rule. Jesus is saying, you're missing it, though. The golden rule is what's more important. This rule is what's more important because, and people will say this, the golden rule is hard because I don't know what you want. I don't know what May wants. I don't know what Beth wants. I don't know what Mark wants. But there's a lie in that. And that lie is, you're different from me. Because you know what? We're all more similar than we'd like to think. We're all more similar than we'd like to think. You're not absolute other. You're not different. You have oftentimes the same wants and desires that I do. But what does that require? That then requires introspection, asking the question, what do I actually want? What do I really want? Well, I want a new car. Well, why? Well, because I don't want to have to fix my old one. Well, why? Because I'm lazy. Oh, well, that's another matter then. I don't need it. I don't, don't want to need a new car. I need ambition. <laughs> that's what I want. I want encouragement. I want trust. I want those things, those deep underlying things. And so as we do unto others, we're not talking about these surface level things. We're talking about these deep underlying things. We want love. We want care. We want compassion. We want someone to think about us instead of just thinking about them. How much do you like it when someone does something for you that only benefits them? That's not particularly enjoyable. What do we want? What do we really want? Because we want those deep underlying things. That's what we really want. And so when Jesus tells us, do unto others what you would have them do unto you, he's not talking about these surface level things. He's talking about those deep emotional needs and wants because at that level, we are all alike. We are all similar. We're all the same. They might express themselves differently, but we're all there. And it creates honesty. Honesty between me and you. Now, if I'm honest with myself, I can finally be honest with you. If I'm lying to myself, then I'm going to lie to you. And so it creates trust. As I love, as I care, as I have compassion, as I honor, as I encourage. Because those are things that I want. Now I can understand who you are and what you want. 
Now you can understand who I am and what I want. So that we're not living at different levels. You're not thinking, well, Pastor Joe, he's up here. He doesn't need this. No. I'm human too. I'm just as you. I just get up front and talk, which is still strange to me. I have a different office. I have a different role. But I'm not different. We're not dissimilar. We're similar. And so that golden rule, it actually creates communion and community. And so if you're struggling with any of these things, great. Bring them to Jesus in confession. Bring them to God for forgiveness. Help him to show you what this looks like. What does generosity look like? You know, what does love look like? What is looking for opportunities in negative situations, what does that look like? Ask God to show you how to apply these things directly into your lives. Because this is what we need. We need to see our sins that we might love God more and as we love God more, then we might actually be able to love others better. How do we learn to love others? By loving Jesus. By knowing the love of Jesus. How do we know the love of Jesus? By dealing with our sins. By being forgiven. So do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Any questions? This is our call. To represent Jesus in this world. Wherever you are. No matter how poor the situation. Amen. Let us pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for this guidance. Thank you for your wisdom. Bless us now, Lord, that we might see you in these situations and in these opportunities. Lord, that we might bless and not curse, that we might do unto others as we would have them do unto us. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So today is Communion Sunday. All right. We'll get to that in a bit. Today is Communion Sunday. Here at Hosanna, we practice open communion.